In high school, Coven washed cars. Nowadays, he's a privacy star. Coven is an IEPP managing director. He's had quite a career as a privacy protector. So uh, on today's podcast, I am thrilled to be joined by Coven Zweifel Keegan, and uh, he is the managing director of IAPP of uh, Washington, D.C. So thank you so much for joining the podcast, Coven. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Noah. This is really exciting. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Excellent. So uh, we'll jump in here from the beginning. Uh, you grew up in western Colorado in a, in a small town there. Talk about growing up and uh, you know what you wanted to, to uh, what, what were some of the first jobs you were thinking about uh, as a little kid there? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a beautiful place to grow up. Um, I'm from a small town called Paonia on the western slope of Colorado. It's a town um, of about 3,000 people. Um, we're about half an hour to the closest traffic light. Um, we like to say we have more cows than people, more sheep than cows, um, but <laughs> it was a beautiful um, uh, area, agricultural and um, lots of, now nowadays, lots of agritourism and um, a lovely uh, winding river that runs through the valley. Um, we're kind of at the very far end of the Rocky Mountains on the, on the far western side. So we're um, uh, in a, a mountain range called the West Elks that um, is uh, all the way at the western side. So past us is basically the desert going into Utah. Um, so it's uh, kind of a, a mixed, a lot of mixed terrain, lots of different um, kinds of uh, areas to explore uh, canyons rivers mountains so um it's a it was a great place to grow up uh, not a, not a lot of jobs there though <laughs> um, unless you do want to uh, go into agriculture or used to be the mines but uh, we don't have coal mining so much anymore um mm. so uh we so i uh hit the road i guess you know it was a, i went to <laughs> I uh, decided to, I was the, I was always, obviously always an academic type. So um, I uh, was uh, kind of bookish in high school and uh, continued that trend <laughs> throughout my life. Interesting. Now, before we get to that point, uh, talk a little bit about what you wanted to be uh, growing up. I don't know that I had, like, I think my security question answer for that if there's a security question that says what did you want to be when you grow up it's veterinarian which is a really hard word to spell it turns out so it's good to get it right if you're putting it as your security answer um i definitely love like animals and nature so i like i think i think i wanted to be a veterinarian until i realized that it involved a lot of euthanasia <laughs> I, so I, don't, I, don't know, quite, I don't quite have the stomach for that, um, but I, uh, <laughs> I otherwise, I think I didn't really have like a, a full plan. Like I didn't have like a, a, a goal or trajectory. I knew that I liked uh, current events, like policy kind of things growing up. I definitely was a, started to be a, a kind of a news junkie. Um, I liked reading and research and more kind of academic things. So my main thought was to go on to college and from there to figure it out. Like it was kind of allowing myself to explore, I guess. Um, I, I didn't really have a career path in mind. Yeah. Um, now, in high school, you had some some fun jobs. You uh, owned your own car wash. 
get into that a little bit about how that started and uh you know what you did there owning your own car wash yeah it was a um that was an adventure i had <laughs> um there was a so it's a this is a part of the world where people wash their cars quite a lot because there's a lot of mud and, and salt and lots of things that uh, corrode your car not as much salt as in the northeast i found out but um yeah lots of mud people like to wash their cars so uh there was a car wash a pre-existing like physical car wash um three bays uh all manual um for sale in the town of hotchkiss colorado which is next to the town i grew up in and um we i basically approached it like a, a small business um uh my dad and I uh, together um, went in on this uh, business venture, but I pretty much independently ran the thing. Um, and it was just this, it was a good way to learn about how business works um, and uh, and kind of keeping, keeping everything going, customer service and um, I don't know, <laughs> uh, budgeting and all of that. So it was a good, it was a good little project. Um, it, uh, we ended up eventually, um, I eventually sold it. I don't, it was not exactly a profit making venture um, or anything, but it was actually really good for my development and sort of as an entrepreneur, uh, which I did not continue that trajectory exactly, but um, I did, uh, it actually, I was able to get a, before, um, uh, in undergrad, I was, I received a like entrepreneurial scholarship um, from this organization uh, that, um, was uh, this this guy named McKelvey, uh, who had created an endowment for first like students who who were entrepreneurial, um, and that was really nice. Uh, that it actually it didn't quite pan out to the amount that was originally promised in the scholarship. Um, the 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 it was there's a, apparently some uh, drama in the McKelvey family, but um, the uh, for a while that was really cool, and I actually kind of connected with a lot of other students um, who had run much more impressive businesses than car washes, but um, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that's a big um, undertaking. Did you sell the car wash? Uh, oh, yeah, I think you mentioned that. So interesting. Yeah, um, I sold it when I went to college, basically, um, but it wasn't, uh, it really didn't make, it, what, the value of the property really hadn't increased more than from when I had bought it that much. Yeah. Fascinating. Now, you also worked at uh, an environmental newspaper. Uh, if you could, you know, get into that a little bit, uh, you know, especially because later on in your career, you were more focused on tech and then you swung back to a little bit more, you know, writing and, and legal topics, but uh, talk about your time there at the, the newspaper. Yeah, like I mentioned, I've always loved uh, uh, journalism and, and the news, and, and I really admire journalists. Um, we, uh, I'm, Peonia is really lucky to host a um, awesome regional uh, environmental newspaper called High Country News, um, which I still uh, subscribe to and support and vociferously defend. They're an awesome um, uh, group of, of journalists and, and op-ed writers and stuff um, all across the West. Um, it really is, if you ever want to like get a sense for what Western culture feels like, um, what kind of the, the values of, of the West, um, it's a good, that's a good read because um, it's hard to kind of express the sense of um, uh, the kind of sense of balance between um, uh, nature and our productive use of of the land um, and also 
limited resources like water, um, always a constant um, uh, kind of something that's front of mind to people that live uh, in the rural West. Um, and um, those, uh, I think it, those kind of, it, there's a, it's values, there's values of kind of independence um, that also come along with a sense, some community kind of values that um, are, are very different than what I've experienced in other regions in the country. Um, but uh, which I, I think makes me makes me wish uh, makes me miss Colorado more um, just talking about it. But um, yeah, I was a high school intern at the at the, at the uh, High Country News, um, and that just meant that I got to for the semester uh, write a, or it was either a summer or a semester I can't even remember um, helped to write a couple of uh, small articles and stuff and, and work with a couple of the journalists and editors on, on the staff. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Wow. So, um, okay, so after working at the car wash and at uh, High Country News, then you went to college and uh, you went to Colorado College in state. So talk about that decision there to, to go to school, what you did in school, and uh, uh, yeah, talk about your time in, in undergrad. For sure. Um, yeah, I pretty much uh, realized I wanted to go to a liberal arts school, um, kind of continuing the, the trajectory of uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, wanting to try a lot of different things. Um, I guess that's always been a pattern in, in my uh, in my uh, choices about my life. I, I try to keep doors open as much as possible. Um, and so I applied to a variety of liberal arts schools um, actually around the country, but I uh, ended up deciding to go to Colorado College. Um, they have a unique uh, a relatively unique, I think there's maybe one other school in the country that does this structure where they um, uh, they have what's called the block plan. You take one class at a time um, instead of taking multiple classes throughout the semester, through, at the same time throughout the semester, you take one at a time uh, for three and a half weeks and then you have a like a long weekend, um, a four day block break it's called. Um, and I really liked, I ended up thriving in that system. Um, it was a really cool idea and I, I thought I would like it and I ended up, yeah, definitely loving it. It lets you really focus in on each subject matter area um, in a really deep way. Um, uh, and the professors are able to kind of do more, um, do more extracurricular kinds of things if they want uh, with students because they know that, that your only commitment, your only major commitment besides maybe some sports or something is to them um, for that three and a half weeks. Uh, and so it works really well. It, 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 it's sometimes more challenging for, um, for things like uh, hard sciences and language, um, but it otherwise is, uh, it worked, I thought it was a fascinating uh, structure and I, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then I was able um, because I was at a liberal arts school, I, I really kind of continued that um, trend of uh, sampling a lot. Um, I started in the poli sci department. So I guess that speaks to what I was interested in. I, yeah, again, kind of really um, uh, tracking a lot of, uh, of news things, um, very uh, kind of politically active um, in, uh, during the Bush administration. And um, I, yeah, so poli sci um, and ended up finding though through my, through having classes in 10 different departments uh, over the course of the, of uh, school, um, I ended up focusing on uh, the psychology department. Um, I really liked the, the, we had a very kind of science focused um, psych department, uh, really awesome professors. And uh, I really liked the rigor of that um, school of thought. Uh, I really liked the, the um, that it 
combines uh, statistical analysis and, and some interesting methodologies with um, uh, trying to figure out how people work. <laughs> so I was um, uh, actually a, a social psychology major um, and uh, was able to do some uh, fun research with uh, a wonderful professor there who was my mentor um, at Colorado College. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I, I was always really interested in kind of figuring out how social groups uh, interact and what the, what are the, uh, what are the driving factors that determine um, kind of norms in society. I think that's one of my main interests. And so uh, social, social psychology provides those tools to explore some of that. Oh, that's great. Um, in, in the same vein, you actually did something fascinating. There was uh, you were a, a rat colony keeper. For those of us that uh, don't know what that is, explain it a little bit. I, it has something to do with psychology and, and research and uh, rats. So yes, it does. Sounds yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah. When I so when I say the psych department was relatively hard sciencey, I mean um, that they we had a pretty strong and thriving neuroscience department um, within psych and um one of the professors of neuroscience was a um i'm not gonna remember the word now uh studied the studied chemicals uh, the effect of chemicals on the brain um uh, and that um type of uh that type of study requires uh subjects uh like rats um and so we had uh the the school which is i don't know how many small liberal arts schools have <laughs> colonies of animals but uh, we happen to have a small <laughs> uh colony of hooded rats which are the little black and white ones that you use a lot in, in lab research so not the creepy white ones but the um but the black the ones with the black uh, stripes down their back um and uh, we also were lucky enough for uh the introductory the introduction to psychology class also would use young rats, pups to um, train in a Skinner box to like to figure out how training works. Each uh, when you took intro to psych, you would get your own rat. Basically, you would have a group project throughout the semester that was to train your rat to do certain things and, and see some of the application of behavioral psych. Um, so those two things, both the ongoing research and then the the intro to psych classes. Um, were the reason that they had a colony of rats that I took care of as a student a worker. Um, I was one of the, like my whole career there actually, all, all four years, I was a um, uh, rat colony keeper, feeding the rats, cleaning their cages, making sure they had water. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. I, I ended up adopting a couple of rats uh, during my time at, at CC um, and keeping them in various <laughs> student housing and off-campus housing throughout the time they're really not the they're not the cleanest pets but i mean they, they start to stink a little bit but they um you have to clean them a lot but they're very very sweet animals and uh, they also don't live particularly long just a few years uh, but i had uh, two rats named timon and rat fiki um which i uh, they were they were sweet boys <laughs> how many rats are we talking here in this rat colony um i think uh, like 50 or 60 um they would we could the the professor would would decide when to breed them they would just put a male with the female and um then they would have a litter and she would separate them out and stuff eventually and, um uh, yeah the we were as as student colony keepers we were kind of kept out of the of any of the uh 
more horrifying parts of, of having a, a rat colony, including deciding who might uh, get to go live with the, um, uh, be donated to the raptor uh, colony. Uh, like there, there was some sort of, um, there was some sort of wild bird sanctuary where I think the extra rats went to. Um, but, and I also, uh, since I didn't assist with uh, that, that research, um, I didn't, uh, I wasn't involved in the types of experiments that they do uh, to uh, on the actual rat bodies. Uh, so I was just more, more focused on keeping them alive and playing with them. <laughs> um, and uh, right, yeah, so maybe 50, 60, 50, 60 rats, I think. Um, it, it would fluctuate, I think, depending on um, whether there were ongoing studies and stuff. OK, fun story there. They're um, in like little, no. they're in these little plexiglass boxes. Oh. I don't know. That's, They're all separated was, in their own uh, in their own box. In their own little boxes. Yep. Wow. Now you got your first uh, inkling of maybe wanting to be a lawyer when you were in uh, undergrad. You worked at the El Paso County Courthouse in Colorado Springs. So uh, talk about that experience and sort of how that turned you on to maybe wanting to be a, a lawyer. Yeah, there was a really cool program. Um, that I discovered when I was there uh, that uh, students had started and, and ran through kind of um, each generation of volunteer students coming through uh, at the uh, local uh, combined courthouse, county and district courthouse in um, uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, it was just a, it's a self-help desk basically at the courthouse next to the clerk's desks where you go to file paperwork. Um, it was for people that were unrepresented and wanted to um, do simple matters at the court um, that often you can do yourself without a lawyer, such as family law matters and uh, so like divorces and even child custody things, um, uh, evictions, uh, small claims issues. Uh, and th there were a bunch of court forms that the state of Colorado provides, uh, and those are there at the self-help desk. Um, and students, uh, the student volunteers would basically just help people with the forms. Uh, couldn't provide legal advice, obviously, but we're focused more on just like, here's what the form says, and also listening a lot to people's problems and trying to provide a, a nice ear for them, even if we couldn't actually do anything to help them. Um, and I think that was, yeah, that kind of sparked my interest in, or real. I guess it made me, helped me to realize that, um, lawyers are such a fundamentally important part of big things and that happen to people in their lives um, that it's really hard to I, I always felt this sense of like oh I if I if I was a lawyer right now I could actually just help this person instead of evading right. their questions um, and that um, so that was a bit of the spark uh, and so it's kind of that plus the sense that um, lawyering was a good fit for me in terms of um, my love of research and writing and um, and reading um that was the those are kind of the things that aligned to be like maybe i maybe i want to go to law school yeah yeah <laughs> great reason uh, to go so then before law school though you spent some time in virginia uh you were at uh or you, you worked in it at, at uva um so talk about that i guess how you shifted from sort of this political science law route to working in uh, it and uh, what you did there in Virginia for a year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've always been interested in technology, 
Um, I had, I begged my parents for a computer when I was little. So even though I talked a lot about nature in my opening, <laughs> I was also an uh, inside person uh, and always looking for uh, to be connected and, and to be part of this, this whole computer thing that was happening. Um, so we had, had dial up and all of that. Um, but uh, when I, another job that I had, in undergrad, I, I honestly don't understand how undergrads do so many things at the same time. I, it battles my mind. Also, law students, my hat's off to you that you're recording a podcast while studying for finals. So um, yeah, it's the same sort of thing. But um, we, uh, another job I had during my whole time in, in undergrad was helping a, at a, um, it was like the advanced technology lab on campus. Um, and uh, yeah, so it combined my like my enjoyment for helping people and also uh, playing with with uh, computers. Um, so uh, I had kind of all of that's just to say that it wasn't out of the blue that I was working in IT. Um, I was basically doing the same thing in Charlottesville, Virginia at University of Virginia in their development office. Um, they just have in-house um, uh, help desk kind of people that the, the, the folks that help you make if that you come to with every manner of problem that occurs to you uh, when you're um, that couldn't possibly be user error uh, that was uh, what I it was just a small it was probably a team of 50 or 60 folks that make up the development team at UVA and I was embedded with them uh, first as a I think it was just a temp job uh, but it became a full-time job maybe I don't remember um, but I was there for basically a year um, well, my, I, my ex was getting a master's in education in UVA, um, so we were there in Charlottesville, and then we decided to move back to Colorado, and uh, it was my turn to go to school. Interesting. Now, in your, your time in IT, you know, do you see some correlations? Are you still in, in your privacy work now? Uh, did that time help you? Yeah, I mean, so privacy is a super interdisciplinary field, um, and it's really always it's very helpful in a couple of ways to be able to 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 draw from different lenses, different languages. Um, uh, so, on in the sense of always needing to kind of translate between the worlds of of policy and operations and technology, um, though it's really helpful to have, to not be afraid of computers at the very minimal uh, to be able to uh, kind of know what the words mean and, and understand how um, uh, how computers, just the basic functioning uh, of computers and networks, uh, that's really a helpful um, thing to, to better understand how personal data um, uh, can be better protected and, and all of that. Um, I think it also helps from the sense of um, trying to uh, engage with a variety of stakeholders in an organization because you're always um, uh, trying to there's this sense of translation between uh, those different those different fields so sometimes uh, when working with um, tech to working with people that are more in the IT sphere um, it is good to have a, a bit of a sense of that background um, even if you aren't a full IT professional right well said now in 2013 uh, as you mentioned you went back to Colorado uh, to go to law school so um, talk about that, you know, the going to, going to law school uh, back in Colorado, and I guess it was during that time that you first started thinking about, wait a minute, this interest in technology and human behavior that might have, you know, privacy might be a nice uh, fit. So, uh, get into your time there at uh, at uh, CU Boulder. 
Yeah, it was, um, and that's exactly right. That's just kind of, this is where maybe things started to converge, although uh, in reality, you don't know it at the time, but it's easy to then, to now construct a narrative around something like that. Um, I uh, I think my main, my perennial problem is that I've always been interested in a lot of things. So I just kind of had to pick something at, at some level. So this was uh, this was how, how that happened. And I, and I recognized kind of, um, and I can maybe, maybe that's better to say later, but I, I I think it is really beneficial to kind of brand yourself to to pick something and 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 go with it, even if you know that maybe you could have picked something else. That, <laughs> that there may have been four or five things from which you were interested in, but um, uh, yeah, that's kind of how privacy was for me. But uh, at the beginning of law school, I actually in picking a law school, I uh, had reached out to uh, maybe the admissions office. I'm sure at University of Colorado to be like, hey, I see you have there's like some tech stuff like. Is there, is there a way to do technology law? I, I sent this very naive sort of email um, to admissions and I think they copied, uh, they sent it to the Dean uh, of the law school who at the time was Phil Weiser, who's now the Attorney General of Colorado. He, um, and maybe I'll tell this story in this way, kind of around a couple of important figures uh, in my life. He was certainly one of those uh, and he was immediately very helpful. He's one of those people that has limitless energy um, and he's a connector. He, he connects people in a way that I, I can only try to achieve. Um, but uh, he immediately connected me with uh, Paul Ohm, uh, Professor Ohm, who became sort of my privacy dad, I like to say. Um, uh, if Omer Tene is listening to this, I mean my academic privacy dad. Omer is my other privacy dad. I don't know. I can have multiple. I'm allowing it. Um, but the... <laughs> I don't think Omer's going to listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Um, but I, we can recommend Not it to before, him. No, uh, so. We should. We should. <laughs> maybe he's he been will. A guest, yeah. So, uh, okay, maybe he will. Hi, Omer. Nice to talk to you. Will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, Paul Ohm and Omer, I'd like to see them battle. Actually, I, I have seen them battle on stage because they um, uh, there was like a debate that they did uh, one time at a at a conference that we hosted. Um, but I am rambling. Uh, Paul was from, he had been here in DC for a while um, and was getting ready to move to Colorado um, as a, as faculty at CU Boulder. Um, and he kindly met me for coffee in Virginia. Um, and uh, we chatted, he talked, we talked about privacy and he told me about what it is and all of, all of the things. Um, and that helped to seal the deal for me deciding to go to Colorado um, to Boulder. And um, so this was already way back in, in 2013. And when you were going into law school, you were already thinking about privacy at the beginning of law school. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So it's, and that's relatively, I, I feel really lucky for that, right? Because that's towards the beginning of when it would be possible to kind of know yeah. that you might focus on this field um, during, uh, during law school. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then at law school, I did all the normal law school things, but we also had a pretty robust um, technology uh, program. There's an organization called Silicon Flatirons that Phil Weiser started um, that's, that's associated with the school. And that helped to send, they continue to help to send students to DC every summer um, for a bunch of different internships um, with uh, both public and, and private organizations. Uh, for the public ones, uh, Silicon Flatirons provides funding, like a stipend for students and then, and then private organizations match that stipend um, for students that they take. 
and really cool program and something I continue to really uh, try to build more of in, in, in my current work, uh, trying to encourage uh, there to be more opportunities for, for students, uh, both in terms of internships and, and postgraduate work, um, because I benefited so much from, from this thing that, that Phil built. Um, and uh, anyway, I was, came to DC both law school summers um, through that program. Uh, the first summer working at AT&T with Jeff Brueggemann, uh, the second summer, um, splitting my time uh, between Hogan Levels in their communications division um, and uh, the FTC, uh, the Federal Trade Commission in Commissioner Olhausen's office. So those three things, again, represent me sampling around, uh, seeing what I kind of liked and didn't like about about the practice of law and especially in the, in the realm of policy. Um, they were all three... Uh, rooted in the connections that Phil and the Silicon Flatirons team had through telecom law, um, but I was able through that to still focus on on more privacy issues, um, and that was uh, really awesome. Um, uh, kind of continued. Get into that a little bit. Uh, what did you find there that you know you you really were attracted to, and what what did you think that uh, you shouldn't shouldn't pursue any any further? Yeah. Um, I mean, I loved all three uh, opportunities. Uh, the, I think, the. It's interesting because the first one was AT and T, but I think that was that's closest probably to what I do now. Um, I was working in a policy shop, but AT and T's office is pretty well connected within their um, organization to their operational unit as well. The people that are actually doing. Um, the, the work of privacy for AT&T um, there it was just it was really cool to see basically those that kind of the work of privacy professionals in action uh, to get a sense of that to get a sense for what it meant what it looked like to have a strong advocate uh, for privacy internally to a company uh, that was um, making sure that maybe marketers or, or other divisions of the company weren't getting uh, ahead of their skis um, when it comes to uh, the using uh, the mountains, what they actually call lakes of data at AT&T, using the, using the giant lakes of data for things that uh, they maybe weren't uh, supposed to. So um, there's always, uh, it's, oh, it was really cool for me to see, to get that sense of what that looked like and, and how those processes played out, um, even just kind of from the periphery. Um, uh, I, I was working more on kind of research and, and policy type work just tracking things in DC uh, for that summer, but um, that that really appealed to me. Um, the other, uh, I really loved my time at Hogan Levels actually, um, the communications uh, department was really cool, some awesome partners, and I enjoyed, actually I wasn't a summer associate, so I wasn't, I felt more like a part of the team in some ways, or at least this is what I tell myself. Um, they, because I wasn't being kind of wined and dined uh, as, a, as an associate, I was a summer intern just for five weeks. And so mm -hmm. I, I kind of just felt like, oh, here's, here's what you do. Here's the, here's, I'm being brought on to a couple projects. I go to an ex parte hearing at the FCC, um, wow. things like that. Uh, and, uh, and so writing an ex parte memo, and, um, but that was not really privacy related, very focused on uh, wireless spectrum. Um, the telecom stuff, uh, which is another area that, that, that that's there's one of those forks in the road of like, oh yeah, the spectrum's really cool. It's really sciencey. I love that there seems to be a right answer when you ask a question like, uh, is is there interference? Uh, like 
two different mm -hmm. uses for the same spectrum? Are they interfering with each other? Seems like there should be a right answer. In practice, uh, I think that did expose me to a sense of how advocacy can be kind of, it can blur the lines uh, around truth. I think it's, it, even though there has to be a right answer um, to that question, uh, people hire their own engineers, they, they write their own facts, and you see advocates on both sides making clear arguments that, um, that the end of the world is coming um, around uh, their, their beneficial use of spectrum being more important than the other. I guess, long story short, that exposed me a little bit to, um, uh, I, I got the sense that, uh, that of the, the good and the bad of uh, advocacy. Um, and I continue to kind of, I love, I find my voice as a policy person is strongest when I'm able to uh, kind of explore gray areas and find consensus, build common ground, more than trying to create a black and white picture and, and uh, focus in on, on a kind of one-sidedism. Um, I don't think of myself as a very good advocate when it comes to that kind of work, although I really respect the people that, that do the hard work of trying to um, shape the shape the discourse um, uh, to both for public good and for their clients' ends. So, um, that's those are because those are all my friends. Those are the people that I hang out with now all the time. Um, at the F uh, at the at Federal Trade Commission at the FTC, I was um, uh, and I'll just briefly talk about that because I know we don't want to talk <laughs> for hours. Um, but uh, that was another experience where yeah, I, I, and I totally could see myself, uh, I guess, going to work in government um, again. But it wasn't the experience of working on the ground doing kind of enforcement work that FTC does because I wasn't embedded in DPIP or one of the other divisions um, that actually enforces um, the the rules. I was instead um, working for a commissioner. So it was a really unique perspective. Uh, you don't get to see the on the ground work, but you do see the the matters uh, once they're completed and are ready to go uh, coming up for vote in the commission level. And so you help you help your commissioner understand um, what's gone on and, and so kind of write summary memos and things like that about each uh, matter coming before them and maybe assist with other things that commissioners do like the public speaking and, and things like that. So that's what the Office of the Commissioners do uh, does um, and there's uh, really important lawyering work that happens in that office. Um, but uh, yeah, all of those experiences together, I think, informed me uh, about sort of a bit of the contours of what I wanted to look for in a job, but um, in particular that I wanted to do policy work, uh, that, I, that I really mm -hmm. liked the kind of work that happens in DC. And so that's kind of was the inevitable pull of, of DC on me as I completed my law school career um, and went on from there. Interesting. You know, I mean, even at just at that point in your life, you've just graduated law school, you're, you know, and, and you already have a, a pretty long list of different experiences that you've been in, you know, from running the, the car wash to, you know, the, the rat colony and AT&T, Hogan Levels and all these different, all these different things and the IT job. Uh, so you really had a, a nice picture of sort of the direction you wanted to go at that point. Uh, interesting. Now, so let's take the next step here. So after law school, um, you went to the IAPP Weston Fellowship for the, for a year, uh, and this was in 2016. So like right at the time of uh, the GDPR and um, talk about that experience there. I think you also taught a, a class at the University of Maine then. So get into to your year at uh, as, as a Weston Fellow. 
Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, I was, yes, very, uh, it was a, a huge uh, opportunity to be able to serve as a Weston Fellow at the IAPP, um, the International Association of Privacy Professionals. I don't know if we spelled it out. Uh, the, it, yeah, it was, it's great to have a kind of a whole year to um, uh, focus on that, on kind of more long form research, more of a legal lens, um, being able to, um, kind of it's almost a taste of of academia a little bit kind of doing some of the the research work that um iapp has uh been um really great at, it, at investing in over the over the last two decades that they've been around so um i worked with omer tenay uh at iapp and also rita Hymas, who's still here um and uh yeah it was a it was a total blast really and i also worked uh, kind of cross department with a lot of the different uh or parts of iapp like the certification team and, and the team that helps to develop the um uh the trainings and and, and stuff around um the privacy best practices especially because gdpr was coming along and they needed help trying to analyze uh, some of what it would mean for everybody um so yeah we uh, worked on um some GDPR projects, a lot of Federal Trade Commission projects. I think that's when I first got a was able to kind of continue my love of FTC work. Um, was and uh, at IAPP, I worked on a um, on a uh, research paper with my co-fellow um, that was published in a George Mason Law Review um, about uh, about the Federal Trade Commission and its um, unfairness authority um, and. I, yeah, I co-taught a class just to like a guest lectured um, uh, at a main law uh, class on privacy. Main law has a pretty cool privacy program. Um, and uh, we, I think we just talked about the role of privacy professionals and, and some of that, like what that looks like um, for lawyers, uh, which is maybe something I could talk about now too. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an awesome it. opportunity. And then kind of after that, I, I came back to DC to, um, as I had mentioned, kind of focus more on policy work, although my my time, um, my first job here was a little bit uh, different. Okay, yeah, so let's jump into that uh, first job then. So you're at the, the Better Business Bureau and um, you were looking at, you know, different voluntary business codes like the, the Privacy Shield. Uh, so get into to that experience then. Yeah, so the, yeah, the organization is, is called BBB National Programs and we were part of um we they run different kind of um yeah like you said voluntary is the right word um they run different accountability mechanisms for around voluntary codes of conduct whether those are created by governments or through self-regulatory um uh, mechanisms so um I was first hired to work on the Digital Advertising Accountability Program uh, that enforces the DAA's uh, self-regulatory principles for online advertising. It's a really, it was an awesome kind of mixture. It was a perfect blend, really, for me, of the tech and legal stuff that we've talked about so far. I was able to do. Uh, we they kind of work with um, cool tech, technological tools to intercept network traffic and figure out whether um, apps are, and websites are sending. Uh, uh, personal information to third parties uh, that they're not disclosing or not uh, not appropriately providing choice for under the self-regulatory code that the DAA established, um, and then bringing cool uh, uh, cases against uh, people that we found to be uh, out of compliance, uh, which result in these um, uh, basically enforcement actions. Pe people come into compliance or they risk being referred to the FTC. Um, 
after that, I uh, came over to run their um, Privacy Shield Dispute Resolution Program. Um, I, I kind of co-ran that um, uh, on the sort of legal slash operational side and um, uh, had about 1,200 companies in that program at the time that um, Privacy Shield was invalidated as a transfer mechanism. Um, they still have probably 600 or six or 700 uh, companies uh, in that program. And so I helped them to navigate after the invalidation, um, uh, kind of advising advising those companies on what on why to stay or not in Privacy Shield on the US side, even if it's not recognized by the EU and continuing to kind of provide that uh, both legal advice, uh, but also um, uh, kind of, well, not not one-on-one -on -one legal advice, but general guidance for companies um, and, and, and analyzing that constantly evolving terrain, I guess. Um, the final thing I did with them was build a certification mechanism under the APEC cross-border privacy rules system. Um, they are a certifier uh, under that and a, an accountability agent. So I um, operationalized that program for them so that they can bring in companies and get them certified against those standards. So that kind of lo looks like looking at those um, legal standards that were, that were established by governments. Um, and then uh, figuring out how to how to do that certification, how to check a company's policies and procedures against um, what that uh, what those requirements are, and um, building out all of those uh, internal controls within BBB national programs to make sure that worked. So that was a big and fun project um, over the past uh, over last year, um, basically. And uh, then I decided to come back to IEPP. There was an awesome opportunity to um, come back here to do a little bit more of a policy-focused uh, job, something that um, uh, I did a little bit of at BBB National Programs, kind of writing um, outward-facing things and tracking policy developments. But um, this job now at IEPP is entirely focused more on that and less on the operational side. So. I serve as uh, the person, the, the person on the ground, the man on the ground for um, uh, IEPP in Washington, DC, uh, which means I'm kind of here to track all of the de developments in the policy conversation uh, by engaging with kind of the entire community from, from government regulators to, to legislators, to uh, civil society, to businesses and, and business associations. Um, I try to uh, talk to anybody who is involved in the um, policy landscape in DC, which is also kind of always overlapping with what's happening in the States and, and internationally. But, but my mandate is, is focused specifically on the federal level. Um, and through that, I try to serve as a, a really helpful connector for people um, in the community to, uh, to be able to um, uh, continue uh, solving the hard challenges and, and bringing people together um, and, and also bringing more new people into the, into the fray, trying to make sure that there's those opportunities for students that I was talking about. Um, but uh, I also then, I serve as a mouthpiece um, uh, for IEPP, although we're policy neutral. So our, our mission is just to, um, to grow and, and preserve and promote the um, profession of privacy, um, which allows us to be uh, kind of silent on the specific rules that might govern uh, those best practices of privacy, because no matter what they are, you need to have uh, privacy professionals doing that work within organizations. Um, uh, but uh, I still uh, I'm able to engage on, on substance with, with stakeholders and, and really uh, talk through some of the issues. 
and then I um, try to bring what I learned back to back to the profession. Um, I have a, a weekly column uh, for IAPP uh, that um, goes out to the, the, the folks, the, the members that we have, um, and helps hopefully to um, explain what's going on in DC and kind of what to expect and how the conversation might be um, contributing to those evolving best practices. Yeah. So are you only talking to, to policy folks there in DC? Or are you working also sort of on the technical side? Because you've done that in the past also. So uh... I it's a little bit of everybody. Um, but yeah, mostly I end up talking to like, so like, if I'm talking to a company, um, it's often their policy person that I'm talking with, although maybe they'll connect me for a specific thing um, with uh, a more technical focused person or operational uh, person deeper in the company who uh, may have worked on a particular um, issue. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I'm mostly focused on policy folks. I continue to be really interested in accountability mechanisms, which is sort of my, one of my main niche interests um, uh, that I built around uh, my time at BBB in particular. Um, so anything, uh, I, I, I love kind of assisting and, and helping to think through how to build and operate those kinds of things, uh, something like the CBPR, uh, or new self-regulatory tools that might actually, whenever companies come together and say, hey, here's some principles, I love to encourage them to say, um, maybe you should um, add some accountability uh, to that. Like maybe you can uh, make it into a certification or, a, or provide other ways um, to ensure that if people are committed to those principles, they're actually following them. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, through that continued interest, I continue to be involved in conversations around stuff like that. But mostly I'm here um, to be kind of the eyes, eyes and ears um, for IAPP and in, in DC. And that um, ends up making my role very policy focused and almost external affairs like. Um, but um, privacy, that, that's only, of course, one version. I guess your podcast is about all the different ways you can be a privacy practitioner. Um, this is uh, only one, uh, uh, the kind of policy side is only one flavor of that. And there's a lot of different ways that there's a lot of different types of privacy lawyers out there. Right, right. And now, Coven, uh, what's what's next for you? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I really have focused my um the last few years on this uh, desire to really spread privacy best practices as much as possible. Uh, I was really proud of the work. Uh, I continue to be proud of the work that BBB National Programs does um, to to do that in a, in a meaningful and, and um, kind of accountable way. Um, uh, those kinds of voluntary mechanisms with teeth are a, a really powerful tool to um, to get uh, companies to go beyond what's legally required and, and kind of in a, in a way that's verifiable. Um, but I think the profession uh, of privacy is the most powerful tool for spreading those best practices as widely as possible because you're creating a, a community of folks, a, a group of people that are able to um, to communicate and, and adapt and uh, kind of serve as a, as a living organism that um, uh, that shares best shares knowledge and best practices across organizations um, and so I see that as the as a really important tool for continuing that effort as privacy continues to evolve um, and that's kind of what brought me here I I plan to plan at the moment to be here for the long term but we'll see uh, we'll see if they'll allow me to do that I really like this role it fits me really well um, but I uh, 
yeah, I think no matter where I end up, I think that will continue to be my overall mission is, is <laughs> spreading spreading the good word about about privacy and, and continuing uh, to hopefully see it, it grow into a, a, a thriving thing um, that will be even more robust in the future. Yeah, great mission. Uh, <laughs> and my last question for you is for folks, you know, looking at looking at you thinking how they can become the next Coven's Zweifel uh, Keegan, you know, what things have you done in your career or connections you've made, uh, you know, steps you've taken, experiences you've had that have propelled you uh, to get to where you are? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, I don't know that I can, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I encourage everyone to become me, but um, if, they, if they want to become the best version of themselves, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, one theme that we've sort of talked about is just, is to be curious. I think that's something that I've continued to do throughout my um, my student career and my professional careers to really try a lot of things, uh, to, to not be so, to be open-minded, I guess, to, be, uh, to, to try to figure out uh, what you might want to do. You might want try to try things that you never would have thought um you you would like uh, I, I think that's maybe the trajectory of most tax lawyers i'm not sure that they ever thought no you know i'm just gonna love tax but once they try it they're like oh wow this is actually perfect for the specific type of nerd that i am and that's kind of how <laughs> privacy hit me as well um networking um is something that um i think a lot of people had struggle with and it's kind of a scary word I certainly wasn't a social butterfly, as even, it might be hard to believe given my rambling um, but uh, and my role, um, but I, talking to people uh, about their about their paths is something that really helped me, um, both it's another way of experiencing other types of things that you don't get to try is by talking to people about how they're liking their jobs. Um, and uh, I think the number one fun tip for that that I have is just to try to, uh, to whenever you meet with someone to, to ask them if they'll introduce you to, to one or two other people um, and from their network. Uh, privacy is, uh, I, I hope it continues to be a very inclusive and open world. People are generally pretty, pretty um, uh, free with their time, pretty, pretty generous. And I think that um, that hopefully won't change uh, and um, students are able to benefit from that significantly. And I think that's basically how I uh, was able to make connections um, that I guess led to led to job things or certainly didn't hurt in terms of in terms of jobs. Um, I also think if you are interested in privacy, um, it's just good to demonstrate that interest in, in whatever way, right? So whether that's to get a certification for my ABB, uh, which I don't necessarily say is the only way, or to do things like uh, writing, like more robust research and writing on um, something uh, on, on a privacy issue to show that like, look, I, I really care about this and, and I've um, uh, been able to invest the time to think about an issue more deeply. Um, that maybe goes back to that, that kind of early thought that I had about, um, about kind of self-branding, trying to find a niche that is um, that fits you and and can can help to tell a story, um, even if you feel like maybe there would be many niches out there that that you could that you could pursue. Um, finding that way to tell your own story is a helpful um, is I think a helpful tool um, that uh, that gives you some something to stand on when you're looking for jobs. That's excellent. Uh, great advice for everybody. And I like the, the vision for privacy in the future. Uh, so with that, I'll read the poem again. So in high school, Coben washed cars. Nowadays, he's a privacy star. 
Coben's an IAPP managing director. He's had quite a career as a privacy protector. So, uh, that Coven, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. Thanks so much, Noah. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I um, hope to continue to stay in touch, keep me posted on your journey. And I do uh, say to any students listening, I, I'm always open to chatting and, and look forward to hearing from folks. Excellent. Thanks again.